Today, the world is demanding more of products and packaging. Consumers want more variety. Governments are demanding sustainability. And supply chains, they're more complex than ever before. Simply put, companies that make things need to respond faster than ever to change. Welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast. I'm Laura Fodi, and I'll be your host. Since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated by how things are made. And at Specrite, I get to work with product and packaging leaders to help them spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. We'll interview experts and industry leaders across food and beverage, beauty, consumer goods, and industrials and manufacturing. We're going to go beyond the shelf and get a behind the scenes look into the things you use every day and even the ones you don't. Where do the best ideas come from? How are leaders making sustainability goals a reality? What trends are here to stay? And what's just a passing fad? We're going to ask our guests all this and more. So be sure to subscribe and get ready to go Beyond the Shelf. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast, where we interview the people behind the amazing products we use every day. I'm Laura Fodi, and today I'm thrilled to be speaking with Chantal Emmanuel, the co-founder and CTO of Lime Loop. Chantal believes that leveraging the right technology at the right time has the power to solve problems in magical ways. As a software engineer, her career continually brings her to the intersection of technology, design, and social impact. Today, as CTO and co-founder of LimeLoop, she oversees the digital and hardware development of LimeLoop's smart, reusable packaging. I had the pleasure of meeting her at a recent sustainability day at SAP in New York City and knew that she had to be on this podcast so she could share the amazing work that she and LimeLoop is doing. Chantal, thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's dive into it. I love what you're doing. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the problem you saw in the market and how you're addressing it at LimeLoop? Definitely. Yeah. So a lot of it came from just problems me and my co-founders were seeing with e-commerce on both sides of the coin, right? So on the consumer side, we were both personally feeling as well as seeing externally that people were really frustrating with packaging, which is, is sad because it's the first thing that you see when you encounter a product that you order online. So to have that be a disappointing feeling from an environmental impact side of it and just from a right sizing and all of those things. And then as we dove in deeper, we learned, we came to understand that, you know, the whole system and fulfillment and reverse logistics, there were a lot of challenges happening and that e-commerce grew faster than the systems that we put into place to make them work at scale. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know about you, but my mother and father send me photos constantly of things like incorrectly shipped via e-commerce and they're like, can you fix this? And I'm like, listen, (laughs) it's a very complex (laughs) problem, but we're working on it. So tell us a little bit about what Lime Loop is and how you're solving that challenge. Definitely. So Lime Loop is a smart returnable packaging company. And so what does that mean? So we have designed a fleet of returnable packaging. So essentially, we des- we work directly with the retailers. They mail out their orders in our packaging. There's a prepay label in there already. So the consumer just flips that over, 
puts it back into their at-home mailbox and it goes back to that retailer to be used over and over and over again. So we've switched to saying returnable as opposed to reusable lately because I think people get confused about who's doing the reuse. And so we just want to be clear that the retailers are the ones reusing the packaging in this case. Um, and then because the packages last so long, they really lend themselves to technology, right? So you're not going to put a bunch of technology into a package you're going to throw away every single time. There'd be no ROI on that. But with our packages lasting over 200 times, you can put centers in them. You can learn things like what's the temperature inside? When is, when, where is it? Uh, when was it opened? And then you can extrapolate a lot of that data, especially around the environmental impact. So how much carbon am I saving? How much raw materials am I saving every time I'm sending a returnable package as opposed to choosing a single use package? That's awesome. And, and single use packaging and e-commerce is like, you know, I ordered a pair of shoes from Nordstrom the other day. Even though the shoes are in a box, it still came in this plastic bag that I then immediately threw away, right? Exactly. It's, it's, that, it's that single use stuff, especially in e-commerce that all of us kind of cringe when we open it. That's what you guys are eliminating. And instead, it's this reusable, returnable package that then, like you said, just just gets sent back, regardless of if you're returning the item or not, which I think is, exactly. that's a very drastic change for a consumer, because typically you think of, okay, I need to save this package because I'm going to return something. I need to tape it back together. Mm -hmm. But this you're returning either way. What's it like to, you're essentially reimagining what a box is, right? Yeah. Walk us exactly. through that process. What are the challenges and opportunities in that journey? Definitely. Great question. So it's funny, when we sat down and we started building the company, you know, our first thought was like, well, what, why do we even need packaging? Can we just get rid of packaging? Like, what's the point? Like, it's only doing something for a very short time. And obviously, quickly learned we're not there yet. And while we'd love to be in a world without packaging, we have to work our way up there because at the end of the day, you have to protect the items, right? There's nothing less sustainable than having to reship a product because it arrives broken, right? So every single time something arrives broken, that's a really bad impact on the environment. So we have to protect the products that are being sent back and forth. Um, and so living within the world of packaging, we thought, how can we do that in the most sustainable way, right? Um, but as you mentioned, as soon as you introduce a reverse logistics trip into that every single time, you're now causing a behavior change for consumers and the retailers to have to work with that flow and work with that new system of packaging. And so we looked at it in a couple of different ways. Um, on experiential side of it, we're like, we need to make sure that this is as easy, if not easier than what people are doing already. And that's across the board. So consumers right now, if, if we're lucky, are breaking down their cardboard boxes and putting them in a recycling the numbers show us that more often than not, about 91% of the time, it's just going to the landfill. So it's just going into that garbage pail. Um, but we said, hey, isn't it a lot easier to just drop that into your mailbox? Isn't that more fun? Isn't it cleaner? Isn't it more enjoyable? I know I, I hate garbage day. So it is definitely to me that more enjoyable. And then on the retailer side, you know, we got some questions about, you know, will I have more returns because of this? You're basically handing them like you said, the item that they need to return those pair of jeans. What if all those jeans come back? And and to that, I always say it, it's 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 short sighted to try to just to make it difficult for consumers to return an item. Right? I understand why, and I know more than most about how much it costs to send things back and where those fees come in, and and how difficult it is for retailers. But there's no nothing more costly than losing a customer, and there's no easier way to lose a customer than not allowing them to have a good shopping experience. Right? If you force them to keep those pair of jeans that don't fit, 
you've just lost a customer. Like we, we all know it. There's nothing more frustrating than being stuck with a product you don't want. So we said, okay, if we're going to make it easier to send things back, period, let's also help them get the right pair of jeans in the first place, right? Let's up-level that and not worry about return, but let's worry about getting them the right product at the right time and let technology help you do that. Wow. I love that. I also have a pair of jeans in my drawer right now that meet that exact criteria. Mm -hmm. So that's a good reminder. I'm sure a lot of a lot of us do. A few topics that I want to just comment on quickly. What you said about damaged items adding to more waste is something that our founder, Matthew Wright, has talked a lot about this concept of allowable waste. Mm -hmm. If we start removing that, the environmental impact is huge alone. Yep. And so I, I love that you guys are thinking about that as well. And you're like, hey, it's it's silly to think about eliminating all packaging because if we can get something to the consumer in the right shape and 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 you know on time and as expected, it then removes that that item being discarded or thrown away in a landfill and another one being resent. Like there's this total sustainable impact that I think oftentimes we don't think about. And that's exactly. why packaging is so special. And one one last comment, because we have a lot of packaging engineers listening and I love the packaging community. What I found so interesting is so many of them are on board with this idea of like eliminating packaging. And I love that because packaging isn't, it is this abstract idea. Like it's more than just, there's there's only so much we can eliminate, right? Like I'm drinking mm -hmm. a bottle of iced tea right now. This is packaging, but there's packaging and logistics. And I think the more we can reimagine and question what packaging is or what it should be, that's really where a lot of um, innovation lies, which I think is awesome. Um, you know, one thing that I love that you talked about is you're really disrupting a lot of the reverse logistics. Um, you know, I know you have a Shopify integration that, that you, you talked a little bit about. What are some of the challenges in really shifting that paradigm of, of something that's returns or returnable? Yeah, and that actually lent itself to the biggest surprise, the biggest challenge that we were surprised by when we first launched was that a lot of retailers have a really difficult time just printing return labels. It's not something that they do at mass. It's it's something that we actually had to fight with the Shopify integration to allow us to do because it natively didn't want to allow us to do that in bulk. Um, and I think that goes back to what we talked about where it's historically people have wanted to avoid making returns easier, right? So the way they would do it is if you really want to return something, you had to reach out to the retailer, say, I want to return this. They would either email you or you'd have to go make your own, print out your own label, put in, find a box to tape back together and take it in. So it was definitely part of that kind of now what I'm going to call an older school of thinking of difficult returns. And so that transition, unfortunately, means that the technology wasn't built out to create return labels, to know when things were coming back, to know what things are coming back and in what condition, right? Because we talked about, uh, you know, waste on the on the outset of sending products, but a lot of these things that people are returning, either they didn't even touch because they already knew they were ordering multiple ones and they the first one that came or they found a cheaper one, or they held it up and realized the color wasn't the right thing, whatever the reason was, there's no reason those things to go right shouldn't go right back on the shelves at the store, but because we don't have the insight and the and it's not uh, visible to us what's going on, a lot of retailers have no choice but to send it to a third party solution, which unfortunately then ends up landfilling them very often too. So now this product who was in a home just didn't work out for some right reason or the other is now ending up in a landfill. And we, when we hear this all the time about retailers having to, to to toss that because you can't put them back on the shelves, they just don't know what it is or what the condition is of it. 
I never knew that. This is yet another area that, I mean, man, it is hard to hear this stuff and not be inspired and want to change it because yeah. it's just so, it feels fixable. But yes, exactly. Just be, like, the, the problem seems so simple and complex at the same time. Like all of us agree, like we all hear we're throwing something in the landfill and all of us go universally, we think that's probably not the right way, yet it's still done. Why do you think that is? You know, I think visibility goes two ways, right? And so we talk about the lack of visibility from a fulfillment side of things, but we don't talk about a lack of visibility, especially from the consumer side, about what your impact is, right? We live in a lot of like magical boxes, right? We put our, our garbage into a magical garbage box. We put our mail into a magical mailbox and we never have to see or think about it again. I was just talking to my co-founder, this business for a commercial where, you know, it was a reverse garbage day where everyone's garbage comes back and gets dumped on their lawn all at once for the year. And they have to see and deal with it and actually come to terms with what they're doing and what they're putting out in the world. Because right now, it's just we're just so detached from that experience. Um, and I think that has to be a really big shift into like, what does it look like to actually stop throughout your day as you like stop at your garbage pail and think about what you're putting in there and think about how many times you've made that trip for the day and then extrapolate that out of what that looks like over the course of a week or a month or a year. Um, but until we do that, it will constantly be uh, something that we don't think about, which is interesting because as a country, we've had to, to deal with that in the U.S. Uh, when China said in 2017 with a sword policy, we're not taking your garbage anymore, world. And literally overnight, all of these municipalities were like, I don't know what to do. Like, what are we going to do with this? We don't have a market for it. It's piling up. We, we don't have the infrastructure to take care of it. So at a macro level, we had to come to terms with that question very quickly when suddenly the place that we had been dumping all of our trash said no more. Wow. I mean, these are very big problems that you're trying to solve. I love this idea of the concept of a magic box. Because we, we, I was like, wow, accurate. Like, I don't, I'm like, Ooh, this just does its own thing. And I assume it goes really well, but oftentimes it doesn't. But there's a lot of magic in your unconventional boxes, if you will. Um, you know, in the technology world, we talk a lot about software and hardware. And you've really brought that experience to packaging, which I think is very unique. So walk me through the components of the software and hardware as you imagine it in packaging. Definitely. Yeah. So we have the, the license and the liberty, I feel like, to say, you know, it's really easy to come in now and be like, oh, yeah, returnable packaging. It's the way software. This is how we're going to do it. But the truth is, we had a lot of historical knowledge to look back on and see, you know, what was working, what was not working and where do we want to go in the future? And, and I like to say, like, reimagine that whole experience from the ground up, you know, knowing what we know today both about, you know, the trappings we have fallen into through packaging and fulfillment, but also the access to different types of technology. How would we kind of walk in and do this in a in a way that we almost like ignoring what the problems could be, but like just like in a really positive, optimistic, like we're going to solve it. What would that look like? And it ended up taking a lot of different forms, as you can imagine, because we're touching so many different parts of the system that the solution then exploded very quickly as well. But but to simplify it in a way, um, it's, a, it's a three-pronged solution. So it's the returnable package, which is our hub, our home, our, our kind of license to move throughout this system. It is made of upcycled uh, materials. So it's about 90% of the materials were being diverted from the, the the landfill themselves and really built with durability in mind. So how do we make sure that we are getting as many trips out of this package as we possibly can? 
On the software side, you know, we knew we had an opportunity to do two things. One is to implement and, and streamline the process of sending and receiving the goods, right? Returnable packaging does not work on its own. If you drop off 10,000 packages to a retailer and say, you know, have a good, good luck, those 10,000 packages will either sit in the retailer's warehouse or they'll sit in people's homes. It, it needs a system to get that flow back and forth. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And so that's where the software comes in. Think as simple as reminder emails, things as simple as, you know, checking out on checkout, learning that it's coming in a lime loop package. So you can prepare yourself to know that the behavior is different. How do we kind of find these nice little touch points? Because people want to do the right thing, but they need little nudges and touch points to make sure that happens. And then on the other side of the software and where that hardware also comes in is, okay, with the packages lasting so long, what else can we learn about what's going on in and around them, right? How do we supplement the carrier services location information to get more up to the minute tracking? How do we know that the temp, the, the groceries that I order that got left in my doorstep at 12 p.m., how long do I have to get home before that milk is spoiled because it's been it's too hot in Phoenix today and, and, I, and I need to know how long that will take? Uh, the pharmaceuticals you're shipping, how do you know that, that you can monitor that temperature within the point, the tenth of a degree because that can make the difference between a viable or a non-viable uh, solution? Let's have that information at our fingertips. Let's make that the norm. And I have this vision. I have a, a two-year-old nephew, and I just want to see him like talking about packaging in a way that's just like, can you believe we used to do, like there was no information or I couldn't know what this was. And then my aunt came along and she made the solution. And this is why we have the packaging we have today. And so how do we kind of make that roadmap to a future where we know what's going on? We have the environmental impact, not only measured, but also mitigated. And we're able to make it a really easy system for everyone to participate in. Well, I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. You know, you talked about pharmaceuticals a little bit. And, you know, my dad is someone who relies on, you know, medication. And when you're shipping something, maintaining the efficacy, right? Mm -hmm. We work with some uh, life sciences customers at SpecRite. It's so important that you know, you know, that thing has temperature controlled elements as it moves along because you want to make sure it works when, when you're taking it. And especially during COVID when a lot of folks couldn't go into, they didn't want to go into pharmacies. And I think the need for this is really exploding uh, I know that primarily today you're really focused on e-commerce. What do you think, you know, is this an, a market that you're interested in exploring in and that you think there's opportunity in? Definitely. We we like to say we want to be the way that any goods are sent and received. Um, apparel obviously lends itself really nicely to it because of the the low need for uh, fragility, so it's not going to break along the way. And then it allows us to create the systems that are necessary to make this work at scale, right? Um, apparel na naturally has a lot, a really high return rate, and so packages were already coming back. And so the systems, we can use this time to set up the system to make sure that, you know, when we introduce things like pharmaceuticals, which are so vital and important that they reach their destination on time and with that right efficacy, that the system is in place to make sure that, that that happens. So yes, we will be moving into every industry and international, but we just want to be really thoughtful and mindful that, you know, the system is in place to make sure that we can do that in a way that makes sense at scale. I think that's so smart because really one of the biggest challenges, and you spoke about this a little bit, is you have to retrain the consumer. And so we all buy stuff online. And so that seems like a really entry point to like create a new behavior pattern that then, and that's kind of how e-commerce went in general. I mean, we were buying books on Amazon first before mm -hmm. we started getting prescriptions delivered to our door. So I think it's really smart for you to follow 
the evolution of e-commerce in general to kind of retrain the consumer. Um, you know, one thing that as a marketer I hear a lot about is like circular economy. What does that mean to you and how do you view Lime Loop fitting into that? Yeah, so we definitely see Lime Loop as powering the circular economy. And so circular economy generally general, just to backtrack, you know, this idea of anything you put into the system should stay into the system, right? And so if you want to compare our packaging to single use, you know, our packages are first pulling, diverting materials from the waste. We're making our packages out of it. And then we're putting that into the loop of fulfillment. So fulfilling a product, sending the empty package back, fulfilling a product, sending it back over and over again. And then at the end of that life cycle, we'll turn those into a combination of new Lime Loop packages and then also uh, use those materials for other goods too. So it never actually gets diverted out into that landfill as opposed to a linear model, which is, you know, I get the plastic poly mailer, I take the product out, I put it in the landfill and it and that's the end of the line for, for the product. So when we talk about um, Lime Loop and kind of where we fit into that, so today it's a very somewhat straightforward, but <laughs> complicated under the hood method of sending those packages to and from, but kind of holding on to that vision of a world without packaging. Our technology then enables that world where we're just we're able to monitor the goods being sent and received. We're able to monitor that environmental impact still. We're able to facilitate a lot of those things. And what we say, we call it powering the reuse or powering the circular economy from a technology standpoint in a world where we no longer need to do that in a physical way with the packaging. I love that. And, you know, I'm sure you've crunched some of the data on the impact you're having. You know, give me some of the stats on the environmental impact of of using returnable, reusable packaging versus single use. Yeah, it's fun. So we actually, we ran the numbers before we even launched because we we're like, if this does not make sense for the environment, then there's no point in doing this. Because we were what we were most cautious about was the fact that we knew we were int introducing another trip for this bag, right? So normally it would stop at your home and then end up in the landfill, but we were introducing that trip back to the retailers. We wanted to take a look at those numbers from the very, very beginning. So we ran those numbers. And then last year, so three years from that original start date, we had a third party provider run the numbers also, just so we we weren't just running our own numbers. And it actually turned out to be even better than we had thought. So it's about a 90% reduction in CO2 emissions using returnable packaging, even with that trip back to the retailer that it's making each and every time. And so we were just really, really thrilled. And then we also took a look at, you know, it's it's tons of water saved, oil, and then uh, trees as well, because we're no longer introducing uh, that paper in every single run as well. Wow. You guys really looked at the whole, did you guys do a whole life cycle assessment of, of it? It sounds exactly. like. Yeah. From yeah. the production of both packages, even the initial drop from our manufacturers to our 3PL, from our 3PL to theirs, from there back and forth. So we looked at every single leg of the journey for both of the packaging to come up with those numbers. It's amazing and terrifying when you get the results, isn't it? Just the, it the, is to, to think about the impact we're having. You know, the other thing you talked about that I loved is you said, we ran the numbers first because if it didn't make sense for the environment, we weren't going to do this. And I think that's really bold. You know, you've you've talked about the importance of building socially impactful and profitable businesses. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that? Yeah, that, you know, it's, it's been coined the double bottom line now, but I feel like it just has to no pun intended make sense to in order to to <laughs> make to keep moving forward with it because Otherwise, sustainability becomes a nice to have, right? It's the uh, it's the charity that I donate to that plants a tree every year. It's it's this afterthought, and we can't afford 
as a world or society to have that continue to be the case. Like we're we're seeing what's happening already. I hope we're all reading about the new UN reports and we're seeing the weather changing. And so there's no appetite for this kind of siloed approach to sustainability. But we also have to be realistic, right? It can't be a cost loser to be able to start a company that is sustainably focused, right? It has to be able to be profitable for everyone involved. And so we look at that in a couple of different ways. Of course, we want to, to, to grow a really healthy business ourselves. But then we look at our retailers and we say, well, using reusable packaging should save you money, right? Because you're not buying every packaging every single time you're sending a product. So let's make a business model that saves you money on your packaging too, as on top of all the other ROI that we're providing and for the environment. So at every step of the way, it shouldn't cost people more to be sustainable. And we, we are building a business that makes that true. I love that. It's funny, Earth Day is coming up, as I'm sure you know, and I started getting emails from every brand that I follow. And I, you'll appreciate this. I got one that was like, we're planting, I got the planting trees one. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, if you're still sending that email, like if that's still what you're doing to have the biggest impact, I feel like you're not trying hard enough because I don't think we've matured that much in sustainability where like, that's the point. Like every, all the low hanging fruit's been taken. So we have to all plant trees and don't get me wrong. I think it's great. Everyone should do something, but I love the idea of moving beyond that. Moving beyond planting trees and really pushing yourself to not just do sustainability, but make it a part of your your core business. Exactly. Yeah, because otherwise offsets become kind of your get out of jail free card, right? It's I'm going to keep doing things how I'm doing and making whatever negative impact I'm making. And it's fine. I'll just plant the corresponding number of trees and we'll we'll all be net neutral. Right. And it's like it doesn't it doesn't actually add up that way, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, both I was reflecting on on meeting you and I love how both of us came from the tech world and we ended up in packaging. Uh, what do you love most about the industry? Oh my gosh, there's there's so much. Well, as a tech person, everyone that I speak to is super technical in what they do from every aspect, whether it's literally in the packaging production side of it, all the way up to the technical and the build out side of it. But I think the number one thing I love is just the openness of the community, um, especially I, I lived for about, I think, and you did too, spent some time out in the Bay Area and know what it's like to kind of work in tech and, and tech in the Bay Area can be very siloed and kind of like, this is my secret sauce and this is my my IP and I'm holding it on to myself. And I feel like since coming into the packaging community, it's the complete opposite kind of mentality. Like, of course, you have the things you're going to hold close to your chest, but for the most part, it's how can I help you? What advice do you need? Oh, you're building out a new insert. How do I, I can give you some pointers for what worked and what didn't. I have these contacts for vendors that, I mean, this was half of our conversation when we first met, right? Is you need to talk to this person, you should talk to this person. I have this idea for you. And it's been just a really great opportunity to to share and learn together. I think there's this really um, understood mentality that we we are all in this together. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I love the people. And I feel like that's part of why I wanted to start this podcast is I'm like, I get to talk to so many interesting people solving some of the biggest challenges and also impacting products that I'm using every day. Yeah. And like you said, the openness, they all want to innovate, I find, and try something new. And, you know, they're part of this. They, you know, it's like you said, they make packaging kind of makes the world go round in a sense, right? And so I think it's really special. I'm always so grateful that I, that I found my way here, although it felt very accidental. You know, what do you think, you have a very unique perspective. You sit at the intersection of 
packaging and technology. What do you think are some of the biggest opportunities yet ahead for us? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple. Um, obviously, sustainability. It's it's interesting because it's I when I tell people what I do and what we're building, they're just like relieved. Like they're like, oh my god, thank you. First of all, and they're like, their second question is always like, when can we get Amazon to use it? It's like this is always the second question, and so it's this idea that you know how do we continue to make that uh, at scale and make it really simple and easy for people to use and leverage because. Otherwise, it, it's it's rare to have a product that like is so ubiquitously makes people happy, right? You're usually fighting a, a, the good fight to try to like get into marketing and get people to understand it and get people to want to buy into it. So we're on the opposite side of that where people are buying into it. And so now it's really up to us to make the system work at scale and to get them into people's hands as quickly as possible. And we love to talk about like the not so distant future where it's going to be really hard to be the brand that's not on the sustainability side of packaging, right? So once a consumer knows that there are these options out there, it's pie in the face if you're if you're still continuing to pump them with the, the the stuff that's ending up in the landfill. So we get really, really excited about that sustainability side of it, of course. I think that's great. Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, you know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> now. Um, exactly. No, I, I, I love that. Well, I feel like we could keep going on and on. There's so much to talk about, but uh, I do want to be respectful of, of your time. So now we'll close into my favorite segment, which is some some rapid fire questions that we have fun with. The first is, what is your favorite product right now? So besides Lime Loop, of course. Um, so it's not new, but I am a huge fan of kind of like the Google. I use Google Home, but any kind of smart home device. I, I've had them for a while, but I just recently got really into programming it for every part of my day. So I have like my wake up routine, my bedtime I've started, everyone should do this, a power nap routine where it literally sets an alarm clock for 12 minutes and then starts playing my Savasana playlist on Spotify. And I take like a 10 minute power nap and I get up and feel totally refreshed. And it's it's amazing. So I'm going to say smart home devices, well-programmed. I love that. Game changer. (laughs) I was staying with a friend recently and she had all the lights programmed to Mm -hmm. it. So she'd walk in and be like, office lights on. And I'm like, why am I still flipping switches? It's and then amazing. I thought about how much of my life am, am I spending flipping a switch? Like you start to think about all those micro moments that add up and it's just kind of exactly. crazy. Exactly. And then from an environmental standpoint, it's actually a huge saving because it, it it right times things, right? So mine automatically sets the temperature from the nest down when I leave the house and it's turning off the lights immediately at a certain time that probably would have lingered on. So it is a really great sustainability play to make a smart home to, to minimize the amount of waste and resources you're using. Yeah. Second question, I'm going to make a little bit harder for you. Um, what's your favorite <laughs> packaging trend right now? And you can't say Lime Loop. My favorite packaging trend. Okay. Hmm. You know, I, I've been seeing... Oh, okay. I I got I'm one of those people who got totally influenced on Instagram to get that seed probiotic. And I love what they're doing from a, a, a sustainability standpoint, because they are definitely on the compost side of things, and they're leveraging that kind of cornstarch replacement for the packing peanuts. So you can literally just like put it in your sink and run water on it and it'll just go right down the drain or you can put it out in your compost. So I love anyone who's doing composting, compostable materials in a really smart and and, and eco-friendly way. I love it. I haven't heard of this. I haven't been influenced on Instagram by this yet. Tell us a little bit about the product. 
It's a, it's an awesome pre- probiotic. <laughs> and then actually the capsule is a prebiotic itself. So it's a prebiotic and probiotic. What I love about it, so they, the, it's a subscription. The first time they send you out a glass jar and then each month after that, it's literally a paper envelope with the um, pills in it. So you just dump that into that first glass jar that you got the first month. So you're never doing wasteful packaging uh, and you're just able to use that same glass every single month. And then so each month after that, the pill comes in the paper and then the paper is wrapped in a cornstarch uh, replacement for a styrofoam peanut. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Last game. This is my personal favorite. It's called Kill, Keep, Change. So you're going to be given three random products. Uh, You have to pick what you would kill, a.k.a. discontinue, keep, Mm -hmm. or change. Are you ready? I am ready. It can get difficult. (laughs) Uh, The price is right. My closest thing to being on the price is right right now. (laughs) Here we go. The first is green gummy bears. Okay. Okay. Very specific. Mm -hmm. The second is coffee. Okay. Yeah. What's the third going to be? <laughs> oh, we can't do that. Oh, um, that was <laughs> Okay. Oh, all right. These are good. Dry shampoo. So green gummy bears, coffee, dry shampoo. You have to kill one, keep one, change one. Okay. I am going to, this is going to be a very controversial response. So the reason I need power adapts is I have no tolerance for caffeine. So I'm going to kill coffee and probably the hearts and souls of many people listening to this right now. That is so I brave. Am, I know. I, it's, I'm, I'm regretting it instantly, but it, I got to speak my truth. You said we could be honest on this podcast, right? I am going to keep green gummy bears because they're the best. And I am going to change dry shampoo to a shampoo bar because I feel like we need to cut out the packaging with shampoo also. That's one of the biggest things that we're wasting single-use packaging on right now. And it's mostly water anyway. So let's get rid of that. I hear you. I'm more of a red gummy bear girl myself, but the green nice. ones are pretty solid. It's a close um, second. It's a, it's a close second. Well, Chantal, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. How can people My follow pleasure. you and your Lime Loop journey? Yeah, so we are www.thelimeloop.com or The Lime Loop on all social media platforms. And you you have a podcast too, right? I do, yeah. And we would love to have you guys on it. It's, uh, it's behind, sorry, no, it's actually beyond the green. <laughs> You're behind. <laughs> so it's beyond the green. And similarly, we have conversations with different folks in sustainably focused uh, companies and just really dive into what they're doing and why they're doing it and kind of bringing that to light. Awesome. Well, this is Beyond the Shelf. Go listen to Beyond the Green. Thank you so much for joining us. And for those listening, if you liked this episode, be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Chantal, really looking forward to seeing you guys really change the world. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Beyond the Shelf is presented by Specrite, the first cloud-based platform for specification management. Say goodbye to spreadsheets, share drives, and legacy systems and digitize your specs in a secure single source of truth. With Specrite, you can easily share and collaborate on specs with other departments and across your entire supply chain network. Taking a spec-first approach enables you to accelerate product and packaging development, go to bid faster, report on sustainability, and ultimately spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. To learn more, visit specrite.com. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com.